This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Sam. Hey, what's up? What are you doing for Valentine's Day? Definitely not spending it with my husband. <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna, who are you gonna, who are you gonna spend it with? I'm gonna spend it with our amazing listeners. Yes, because we are having a Valentine's, well, really an anti Valentine's Day <laughs> Instagram live happy hour at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Head on over to our Instagram at Just Break Up Pod at Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yep. Yep. That's it. That's, it's on Instagram. Yeah. We're going to bring the rosé. Yes. You can bring the candy. Okay. Not you, like the general you. Oh, okay. Got it. Because oh. I was like, really? Do I have to bring candy? <laughs> God damn it, Sam. All right. We'll see you guys this Thursday, February 14th, 7 p.m. Central Time on our Instagram for our happy hour live. Can't wait. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. Uh, this week, we're going to tackle topics like our friend's awful boyfriends, is a victim only a victim, planning for future resentments, and is there a too soon to moving on? Mm. Yeah. But mm. before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we don't know what we're doing. Yes, we are definitely not professionals. No, we're not. Yes, we're not even like well-rounded adults. Well, you are. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. I mean, I think that you're well-rounded. I am. I, I Let me go on a small tangent. Yeah, okay. <laughs> before we even finish the intro. <laughs> I always am self-conscious about being like well-rounded or like mature or mm -hmm. like successful. But I'm realizing as I get older that that's like a facade, that everybody feels like a fucked up piece of shit. And yeah. um, that like, well, like what is well-rounded? It's it's just who you are right now. Exactly. <laughs> There's no, like you're not, you're not like a half-baked human. Right. You're a whole baked potato. <laughs> Everyone is intimidated by the things that life gives them or right. like that they want to achieve. Right. No one is like, oh yeah, I got this. Yeah, I know what to do. like. I know how to buy a car the first time, or Terrifying. like, yeah, right, or like, I know how to do a job interview. Panic attack, like, right? Exactly. Yeah, we're all like freaked out by everything that's happening to us. We're just all like coping. Yeah, yeah, pretending that we're not freaking out. That <laughs> exactly. is humanness, right there. It is. Yeah. Anyway, this is all to say that uh, we are not professionals. Please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings and hopefully some laughs to shed some understanding on the very rewarding but mostly confusing thing that is love. Welcome to episode 30. 30. Holy moly. The big three zero. Yeah, I know. Our podcast is having a, a, a midlife crisis or, <laughs> or whatever happens when you turn 30. Um, turning 30 was fine for me. 
Um, I was, like, ready for it. Turning 30 was hard for me because I was uh, going through some shitty relationship stuff. So I was, like, very alone. And then, like, four days later, I found out my dog got had cancer. Oh, yeah. Geez, okay. so <laughs> it was not the best. Not a great year for you. Actually, let's talk about birthdays for a hot second. Um, yeah. Ours is on the same day. Yes, it is. We are, Our birthday is June 2nd. We're hopefully going to have like a big just breakup party or our first live show around our birthday. We'll see. Um, but s- this past year, I turned 32. And I was, I remember like tweeting out some feelings that I, I was having that I want to talk about. Uh, because I think they're more common, or at least I found out that they were more common than I thought. I was having a lot of birthday anxiety. Like I was had the the past my thirtieth birthday and my thirty first birthday were really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Shitty things had happened around them to to cre- to make them really painful. Yep. And so when my thirty second birthday came up. I was I like remember tweeting that I was like really anxious and worried about this day, you know, and the Twitterverse, the the uh-huh. the wonderful followers on Twitter like comforted me by reminding me that a lot of times we can have a lot of anxiety for before the things that are quote supposed to be good and happy and celebrated on the days where we're supposed to feel the most awesome yeah. are often the days that we feel some of the most high peaks of depression and anxiety because we don't feel like that perfect shining birthday self. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so interesting and so uh healing to me like to to remind myself that my birthday is just another day. And that I'm whole and happy and healthy right now as is. I don't need um, a celebration or all these friends or somebody to show me how special and whole and happy I am. Yeah. You know, I think I was just like having some anxiety. Do you relate to that? Um, I do. I relate to it more about like holidays than I do. It made me think of our conversations about the holidays that we had before the turn of the year. Yeah, especially this year um, where it was like. I love Christmas, but yeah. but it was like, but it's not turning out into the thing that I want it to be. And then, right. like, it wasn't bad, but because it had been built up so much, then, like, the disappointment was so much more real. Right. Totally. Um, and I get that about birthdays, too, but I don't, like, I like birthdays because it's a reason to, like, celebrate. Yeah. Like, me. Yeah. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> Like, get to hang out with all of my friends. Yeah. It's less about, like, I need it to be a perfect, perfect it's, it's day. It's not even that. I just, I had some, like, inarticulate anxiety. I, I think because my last two birthdays had been so yeah. pa- literally painful mm-hmm. um, that this, this year I was, like, I was kind of dreading it. It was weird, and I, I'm not that person. Yeah. People who are like, I don't celebrate my birthday. I'm like, who are you, and what planet <laughs> did you come from? You get one day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I make it into like a month, really. But yeah, no, me too. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I just thought that that was maybe something intimate to share with our little podcast universe that we're building. Yeah. Well, it sounds like your Twitter followers are very smart. I actually love Twitter. I, I don't use it as much anymore, but. Like I prefer Instagram right now, yeah. But Twitter is 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 like the OG. 
um, because I think I can go there and vent like my political, emotional, personal, whatever. And I often go to Twitter to like get advice um, mm. or to bounce an idea off of um, people who are invested in my work or our podcast or whatever. Like That's I think great. I tweeted before we ever started Just Break Up, I, I think I did a poll to my Twitter followers, like, should I do a newsletter? Should I create a product line? Or should I create a podcast about relationships? And they were like, podcast, podcast. <laughs> well, we have delivered for yes, them. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Um, all right. So let's get into our letters. Oh, okay. Um, the first letter is from... M.M., who is writing to us from California. Great. M.M. writes, My best friend of four years and roommate were in college, but she's a year above me, has recently started dating a guy. I really hate him. Like, I'm pretty amicable. I'm a pretty amicable person, but I very much dislike my BFF's beau. He consistently... He's consistently really unkind and very rude to my best friend, friends, housemates, and me. It's really difficult to be around him, but she's totally obsessed with him. When I tried to talk to her about it, she said that the reason he's, quote, weird around me is because one time when we were all drunk at a party, he asked if he had my approval, and I told him I wasn't sure. (laughs) I don't remember saying this, but it could be the alcohol, could be the third-party retelling, but apologized regardless and tried to explain to her that I don't think that this fully explains or justifies his behavior. She completely shut down and won't hear anything that isn't 100% positive about him. It's really difficult because he's always around and in our shared room and is still pretty rude and unkind to me and everyone around us. I love my friend but can't stand the boyfriend. Would love any of your humble advice or thoughtful musings. Um, um, what a great letter. Absolutely. I think that a lot of people have been through this. Oh, my God. I have. I actually strongly personally relate to this. Uh, one of my closest friends in my younger years hmm. dated somebody who I just abhorred. Yeah. Uh, I just couldn't stand that person. Yeah, I was the person who dated the person that everyone could stand. <laughs> And I'm not talking about him. Like, I I hated him, too. But Sam and I weren't always this close. Like, we were always intimate. That's how I would describe it. Like, we were. I always felt so kindred. You always felt special to me. But, you know, we were probably friends for, like, five years before we started being really close and hanging out all the time or whatever. And even after that, it wasn't wasn't regular because I was always traveling. Right. Um, But anyway, so... Back pre-Sam Blackwell best friend era, I had other close friends. We won't speak of them. <laughs> Nobody existed before <laughs> you, baby. Dead to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I had friends who I would call my best friends before being close with Sam, and one of them dated somebody, and I just I like could not I couldn't stand her. She just couldn't be more different to me. Yeah. And I think I think. I could list off to you, M.M., a hundred things that I didn't like about that person. But the most important thing that I can tell you is that in retrospect, I can now tell myself that the thing I hated most about her was that I didn't understand my best friend anymore. Mm. I didn't understand what he loved about her. And therefore, it made me feel more distant to this person who I thought was essentially mine 
to understand. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, that's such a good point. Yeah. It, it like, you think that you, that first of all, your, your closest friend has a good judge of character because they're like your closest <laughs> friend, right? Yeah. So like. <laughs> yeah. They must. <laughs> that's funny as fuck. <laughs> right? Because like, if they don't have a good judge of character, then you're like, oh wait, shit. Then what do they like about me? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And second of all, like you want your closest friend to also like trust your intuition about people too. So right. like when it's like, I don't really like this person and they're like, no, I really, really like them. You're like, okay, but but, the, but and, like, don't I, doesn't my voice matter? Right. Totally. But how many times have you and I told each other things? More importantly, you told me things <laughs> <laughs> um, that I just couldn't hear. Yeah. But also. That's true. To be fair. I mean, just talking about our relationship personally, we tend to be pretty supportive until the the pushing, like the the moment comes where like we have to push each other in one way or the other. Meaning, like when I've been in very unhealthy relationships, mm-hmm. you've been very supportive, you've done side eye, you've made the right comments, but you didn't you didn't dish like the hard shade until I was like, "Is this person bad to me?" And you were like, "Yes." <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I think that there's, like, in this situation, you have to make a clear distinction between people who are, who you just don't like and people who are abusing and hurting your friend. Yes. Right? Because, like, there will be people That's and you're such like, a good point. I really don't like them, but you can get over the fact that you don't like them. Right? Yes. <laughs> you can. <laughs> it's real, though, because, like, you're never going to like everyone in this in this world. and Ever. You're sitting, you're best friend has chosen this person for a reason and you have the ability to figure out how to be around that person you just do that's such a good point and i am also thinking now about like the revelation that i've been having in this year of my life so often which which is like how multifaceted each human being is and that just because you and I are kindred, just because we're Soul Sisters podcast hosts, uh, twin Geminis, like we have so much in common, that still doesn't account for the fact that there is a plethora of things inside us that are different, mm-hmm. that that are attracted to different things, that believe in different things. The the plethora of experiences that have led us to, to have our decision-making skills or our preferences yeah. or whatever. So I, I am, even though we are so similar, even though, MM, you could be so close to your best friend and you could, um, and you could love so much about her, that still can never, you can never... Expect your best friend to like someone the same way you do. Exactly. But, I mean, it sucks. No, it does. Because you want to think, like, no, we're twins. Yeah. Sisters. (laughs) Right? And then suddenly you're like, wait, why are you into this person? Yeah. I remember feeling betrayed, like, by that, that, that one partnership that I was talking about before, just being like, what do you see in her? Yeah. How could you do this to us? Absolutely. You know what I mean? And I think that's what it is. It's like the ultimate offense when your close best friend dates somebody who you don't get along with. Oh, absolutely. And MM, to speak to your experience, the language around talking about that is so, so difficult and nuanced. Absolutely. Because you can't, it's like you want to be supportive but you also 
want to be real, but you, you know, like you don't want to uh-huh. tell your best friend what to do, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But you can, I mean, you can also be honest with your best friend in a way that's not like an attack. Like, don't be like, I can't believe you like this guy. But you can, if she's like, how do you feel about him? You can still be like, I'm still on the fence about it. I think that's a great, can you tell me more or like, can you walk me through how to not take somebody else's relationship personally? A. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And B, how to respond to something you don't like in in non-attack form. I thought I thought I think that's pretty profound what you just said. Yeah. Well, okay. First, how do we not take it personally? It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with us, first of all, and it's outside of our sphere of control. Right. As much as we would like to think that we can make our friends date and like the people that we want them to date and like, we can't do that. Right. So the only thing that you can control is your reaction to it and how you create a space that creates less of a tension for yourself. Right. How can you make sure that you are being true to yourself, but also like not making things more difficult for yourself? Um, yeah. And so then number two is that when you don't attack, you don't criticize the person, right? You say all about I like I right. statements. Yeah, you speak from you speak from your understanding of your experience your truth, with this yeah. person. So you can say, you know, I um, I'm still not sure how I feel about this person. Um, there are times where, to me, he comes across as as not very conscientious of the rest of the of the rest that of the is house. Such a good way to say he's a dick, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because I know how much you like him. Yep. Yeah. And then you're honest with the fact that you're not super into him, but you haven't been like, he's such an asshole. I can't believe you bring him into this house. Yeah. Right? So, M.M., I think the takeaway points other than all of the lessons that Sam just gave us are that it's... It's not about you, unfortunately, and it's and most importantly, it's out of your control. Yep. If anything, this is less a response of advice and more like a yeah, that sucks. We feel you. Yeah, it's um, like a harm reduction model, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> it's um, like about like mitigating the damage that you're doing to yourself by totally, hating this person so totally. much. Yeah, and 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 I'm glad you wrote to us because these types of situations necessitate venting. Yeah, they necessitate being able to talk to other people about like, oh my god, I can't believe she likes him. I can't believe she lets him come to the house. Yeah, but if you do love your friend, if you truly love your friend, and and above all else, want to maintain your friendship, then you have to let her play this out as Absolutely. she sees fit. Yep. And so then the question becomes like, how do you? How do you take care of yourself and deal with him when he's right. around you? Maybe you can just leave the room. And, yeah. and I know you guys have a shared room, so that's really hard. But, like, is there is there um, boundaries that you can carve out? Hey, he can come over between these times mm-hmm. and this time. I need some alone time. Yep. Is there a safe space that you can go? Um, is there a way that you can not hear him? Like, get some headphones. Like, that sounds silly, but we're trying to offer some sort of action plan that is outside of the realm of you can't control this because yep. you you can't. Absolutely. Um, and I think um, one of the things that we talk about on the podcast a lot is also humanizing people. Yeah. Right? So right now he's the villain in the story of you and your friendship. But how can you find out 
ways to think about him in a way, think about him as a child, right? Like the way that we talk about it. What does his, what brought him to this moment? Why is he being rude? There may be things, I mean, in his defense, having your significant other's best friend tell you that she doesn't like you would make you behave weirdly. Yes. (laughs) And I... I know that you're sort of like, I was drunk and I didn't mean it, but like to him, that's his truth. He's allowed to respond to that. Absolutely. And guess what? He's probably responding irresponsibly. Yeah, right. But I think that there's an opportunity for us to see that like this behavior isn't necessarily because he's an awful person at his core. Yeah. But instead, this is coming out of insecurity and 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 weird feelings. And it's to enter a friend group. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, MM, I hope this helps. I hope our humble musings um, get you to a greater understanding of what's going on here. I'm sorry that we can't tell you exactly what to do, but uh, we're with you. We know the situation sucks, and it, it's a it's a new hurt. It's yep. a different kind of hurt. Absolutely. I remember when I felt it for the first time, I was like, what is this? You know, like, <laughs> how can I care so much about somebody else's relationship? Yep. Um, so we're with you in spirit, and we really... Uh, appreciate you writing. We love you. Thanks. Thank you. Y'all, as a self-employed person, as a mom of a toddler, I am always struggling with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, you have full control over your subscriptions and a clear view of your expenses. You can see all your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, Rocket Money can help cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month. So I can clearly see my spending habits and check myself if needed. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even help try to negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you, which I obviously love as a somewhat introverted, conflict-avoidant person. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Rocket Money has over 5 million subscribers and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets, sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Quince has things like premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar 
brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. This past month, I treated myself to a pair of new slippers because I'm in that hashtag mom life era of my life um, in which (laughs) um, I am never not in slippers. And these are 100% Australian shearling lined clog slippers. And I love that they're slip on, but they have those durable rubber outsoles. They're super cushy, super comfortable, but I feel like I can run outside to like take the trash out in them while also like staying warm and active in the house. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. So our next letter comes from Zoe, who is writing from Colorado, who's using she, her pronouns. Hi, my sweet angels. I'm a (laughs) huge fan of both y'all ever since I saw Sierra perform on the Alternate Universe Tour in September. That's with Olivia Gatwood, our our one and only guest right now. (laughs) Uh, That's true. I come to you because even if you don't know what you're talking about, I trust you with matters of the heart. I guess I'll just dive in. I'm 23 years old. My longest relationship was two and a half years. It began when we were freshmen in college. I'm a Cancer and he's a Scorpio, so it was very much an Ariana and Pete situation, Mm. if you know what I mean. We both said I love you after a few weeks, and soon after, he was telling me he wanted to spend the rest of his life with me. He even gave me a ring. I believed him, because what naive 18-year-old wouldn't? Being swept away by my first love, I said I felt the same way, and I thought I did. And then... Shocker, he took it back shortly after. Hmm. He told me he didn't think he even loved me or wanted to be with me. This went on for two and a half years. He'd change his mind constantly, sometimes within even hours, having what I see now as intrusive thoughts about his feelings for me. It was a wild roller coaster going from forever to nothing day by day. On top of that, he was very controlling and also dismissive of my mental health. Eventually, as I got better, I ended things. I tried to be friends, but he was too intense so i stopped talking to him you don't have to be friends with your ex's people so i stopped talking to him and then a year after we broke up he sent me what i can only describe as a manic facebook message or message on facebook about how I'd, how i'd never find love calling me terrible names and using my mental illnesses against me it was literally pages and pages of him cussing at me and calling me unlovable i have never regretted ending the relationship clearly he is terrible but mm-hmm. here is my issue I recently found some of our old texts on my computer and stupidly read them. They triggered memories of how awful I was in the relationship. Mm. When he'd have those aforementioned intrusive thoughts, I'd literally beg him to love me, beg him to stay with me, remind him how much I loved and cared for him. At the time, I thought I was grounding him back to reality and reminding him of the magic. But now I think maybe his intrusive thoughts were closer to reality, and I just wanted him to come back to cloud nine with me. Now I wonder if I wanted to hold on to it forever. But ever since I saw those texts, I feel like I feel sick to my stomach with guilt. I have no way to contact him and have been fine with that until now. I feel like I owe him an apology, even though he abused and manipulated me for years. Mm. It deeply hurts me to think my actions could have traumatized him in the way his did me. But how much of our mental illnesses can we blame? How, how much responsibility do I have when I was the primary victim? I don't want to blame him, but I always feel 
but I also, or I always feel like he made me act insane, and it seemed more like I was acting on survival. Was I an abuser too? How do I forgive myself? How do I cope with the possibility that he even might feel like a victim of my abuse years later? Love, Zoe. Zoe, what a powerful letter. Thank you so much for writing. I want to just jump in um, and start by coding this response in the understanding that you were young, Mm -hmm. that you were young. You said it yourself at the beginning of this letter that you foolishly accepted that ring because you hadn't been loved in that way yet and you didn't know where it could lead. Yep. Period. Like we learn how to love people by loving people. Absolutely. And we learn how to hurt and be hurt by being hurt. Mm-hmm. You didn't understand the full gambit of what it means to to be in a relationship yet. And and you still don't. Yeah. I don't. I'm learning <laughs> it every day. It's just true. Same. Uh, <laughs> that, just a heads up. Marriage doesn't make all of those questions and weird feelings go away. <laughs> exactly. It just doesn't. That that I, I think the idea of being in love and dating is is it's not like love isn't a noun it is a, it's it's a verb it's like mm-hmm. ongoing it's yep. it's i'm always learning more i'm always understanding what a partnership is a communication communication trust a vulnerability etc yep um and at such a young age you really are going you are basing your understanding of love and relationships off a couple things. Your parents mm-hmm. or whatever adults you have in your life. Yep. Um, and media and society and, and, and the culture around you. Right. And how well does uh, media portray relationships? Like super, super, <laughs> super not well. <laughs> you know? What are you talking about? There's always nuance. No. There's always complication. People... People literally always get together, you know. And that's perfect. And they'll they'll get well. Let's let's unpack that for for like five <laughs> seconds. Um, relationships show us that it you know that that communication is always really simplified. It's always really romantic. Mm-hmm. It's they're always going to take that leap of faith for you. Everything's going to feel right or feel wrong. Yep. Everything's going to make sense. It's they're all going to get together in the end. Yep. Blah blah blah. Yeah, that we can fix people. Yeah. That we can like change the way that they act and the or things that, that they do. That it, that people are meant to be together. Yeah. True. Which don't get me wrong, like the romantic in me does feel like we are uh, we are supposed to meet certain people at certain times in our lives. Um, but not really. <laughs> I don't really believe that, actually. I think that people come in and out of our lives and we learn from them, period. Yeah. And but but television tells us that people are meant to be together. So it, it, it reinforces the idea that we have to work really hard to make something work, even if it's like on fire. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, Zoe, <laughs> back to you mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. my little rant. Um, <laughs> you were doing the best that you could. Yep. With the knowledge and experience that you had at that moment. And now you can do better because you have more knowledge and more experience. Absolutely. But you're still going to fuck up and you're still going to learn. And that cycle is life. Absolutely. And I feel like a lot of what you described in this relationship was also just a lot of codependency, Mm -hmm. right? And codependency is learned through codependency. Yep. (laughs) 
right? Like, it's not that he, it's not like he read a book about how to make you codependent and like made that happen, right? right. But the way that you two reinforced each other in those moments, like, right. taught you both that this is how you act in relationship. This is how you act in love. And so it's not anyone's fault. No one had a master plan to make this awful shit happen, right? right? It's that, it's that the, the ways that you had learned to love, the ways that you were taught to love came together and created an awful sticky quagmire quicksand mess. Right. And, it's, gonna... and that's shitty, but it doesn't necessarily mean that either of you is an evil person right. or an even, even an awful abuser. And right? it doesn't take away your victimhood either. No, because you, you two were both participating in the system right. and we're both not doing well because of it. Right. Um, when you were talking, Sam, I thought of something that I realized about my own codependency in mm-hmm. my, in history, in my relationship history. Yep. Um, and how I learned it, I fir- maybe I didn't learn it from my parents, but I first saw the type of uh, interactive codependency that you're talking about. Meaning, um, in my earliest memories, my father would get angry and my mother would submit, mm-hmm. right? In, in my earliest memories, I saw that. And it's not that my father would get angry or yell. It's not that my dad would, would obsess over something um, or or take it out on my mother. It's that I saw them in tandem, mm. that I saw it as a call and response, yep. that they one did not exist without the other. Yeah. And so my earliest example of relationships and love was that type of partnership, Mm -hmm. that type of exchange. And so Zoe, what we're saying is he was doing the best that he could, which was not good enough. Right. Definitely not. But what he, but, but it is not about who is the abuser and who is the victim. Yep. Although those terms can be healing, but the higher, the more evolved version of it is that he was putting in, X, Y, and Z, and you were responding, Absolutely. right? Yep. With the with the only tools you had at the time. Yep. And now the best thing you can do is just look back on your relationship. Maybe don't look through those text messages again, <laughs> <laughs> but look back on your relationship and understand, well, what was making me act that way? Why was I afraid of him leaving me? What made me cling to the cloud nine, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Like the only thing you can do right now is not apologize to him. No. You don't need to do that. He, nope. you, guys, you guys drew the line for a reason. Absolutely. You block, block, block for a reason. Yeah. And also he sent you all of those awful Facebook messages right. about how you're totally unlovable. So like that door is shut now. Yes. He you, does not deserve any apology at this point. He does not deserve you taking care of him. No, absolutely not. He can and, figure himself out. And Zoe, no healing is going to come from that. No. No healing is going to f- come from you telling him like, oh, but maybe maybe I was bad too. Exactly. You can tell healing will come from your understanding of that. Absolutely. It's all internal. It is because you need to forgive yourself for something that was not even your fault. Right. Right. This is not, you didn't, you didn't read a manual about how to manipulate people into loving you. Right. Right. You were taught that you learned it from him. And now you have to say to yourself, I forgive myself for doing these things and I'm going to take the opportunity to learn from this so that I can take care of myself better in the future. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we we crushed that. <laughs> 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 well, I think I think I think 
think the questions that Zoe poses in that letter, we could talk about forever. What is victimhood? Yeah. What does it mean when you are being abused, but you but you abuse your partner? Because yeah. I've been in that situation, Zoe, 100%. Same. I have 100% brought ab- abuse into my abusive relationship because mm-hmm. I was hurting, yep. because I was sick, because I was underloved, and I ultimately wasn't getting what I deserved out of the relationship. Absolutely. So I was desperate. I was I was desperate for good love. So I did what you did, which was cling to the idea of the good love, right? And that clinging is never healthy. No. Um, Yeah. But so you can, you can totally be both and that's okay. It is. I hope this brings you some understanding and, and some healing. Most importantly, I think we hope that you continue this journey of self-reflection and you continue asking yourself these really important, really difficult questions, but with a lot of grace and a lot of self-love. Okay. We love you, Zoe. Thanks for writing. Thank you. All right. The next letter is from Anonymous Anonymous, who is writing to us from somewhere in the Midwest. Oh. I know. Close by, far away. We don't know. (laughs) All right. Uh, Their pronouns are she, her. Hi, guys. First of all, I love your podcast and listen and re-listen to them on the way uh, home from work. Y'all are legit amazing and hashtag friendship goals. And I'm fangirling over just writing to you. Smiley face. Oh. (laughs) We do. uh, Just to be clear, you don't have to tell us how great we are at the beginning of your letters. We love it every time. That's what we were about to say, right? Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, It honestly, well, it just makes us feel good. Like it's, uh, we don't, a lot of this podcast work is one, it's, it's a one way street, meaning we put a lot of words out there into the universe. So every time you guys (laughs) send us some love in your letters or tweet us or Instagram us, it it just, it means a lot to us. Absolutely. Anyway, so Anonymous writes, I just started dating the most amazing guy. I'm 26, and this is my first relationship and his third. He was my first kiss last year. First kiss at at 25, anyone? Anyone? (laughs) (laughs) And though it's early, I jokingly told my best friend that that I knew he was the one when he asked if I wanted a brownie and brought me the middle one after a conversation in passing a few weeks prior in which I said middle brownies were the best. Cute, right? Right? That's really sweet. (laughs) Recently, he and I had a long talk about serious stuff, marriage, wanting kids, whether we wanted to go back to school, etc. In this conversation, it was revealed to me that he wasn't a virgin like I thought he was. He asked my thoughts, and I told him it was my personal belief that I wanted to wait till marriage. He asked if it bothered me that he had had sex, and I said it didn't, but that I wanted to make sure he wouldn't pressure me into doing anything I wasn't comfortable with. He said he completely respected my beliefs and would never pressure me into having premarital sex if I didn't want to. Side note, I completely believe it's everyone's personal decision on when to have sex. It's just my personal belief that I want to wait. So my question is this. How do I shake the feeling that one day, maybe a few years down the road of our relationship, he's going to resent me for making him wait? Mm. Good question, Anonymous. Thanks for writing. Well, let's see. How long have you been dating? Says I, they kissed last year. Okay, so they're like at least six months, maybe, a couple yeah. months into the relationship. Mm-hmm. All right. Anonymous, um, I think I'm going to take a line from my best friend, Sam Blackwell. Oh, great. I love it when you quote me back at me because I never <laughs> remember anything I said. While directly making eye contact with you. <laughs> 
Um, I want you to like sit down with a nice cup of tea and a middle brownie and take stock of what is already in front of you. Mm-hmm. The reality is he is a good person. Mm-hmm. He's sh- at least what he's shown to you, right? Um, he's been a good boyfriend so far. You feel really good about it. Um, he has given you no reason to doubt him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he verbally told you he would respect that. Yep. Uh, so first take stock of that. I think it's really hard for people to let people be as good as we want them to be. That's such a good point. <laughs> right? <laughs> You made a face and I was like, oh, fuck, what did I just say? <laughs> no, and honestly, like, that is 100% something that I struggled in with in my relationship with Peter was yes. believing that Peter is actually as good as Peter is. Spoiler alert, he totally is. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why it's we're married. <laughs> so crazy. It, Peter is an angel. But, like, I totally, um, Anonymous, I totally get where you're coming from in this. And yes. that fear of, like, even though this person is saying, like, I love you and affirm you and want to be with you. And you're still like, this. oh, but this thing that I have about me is weird. And I don't really, I don't really know that like other people get it or like it. And so I'm just afraid that like you're like the, the view is going to shift and you're going to see right. me for it's who fear. I am. It's and it's going to be like, because anonymous, I also want to point out that you were very kind and generous in your note to us to say, by the way, I understand people can do whatever they want. This is just what I want to do, Absolutely. which is really sweet and yep. like really um, accepting. But you didn't owe that to us. No. Like you're you're here writing us about your personal experience, and we're gonna answer your personal experience. So I'm just pointing out that like you, some part of you felt it was necessary to to justify your belief. Yeah, to and be so like, like apologize for it a yeah, little bit. That's that's what I'm reading into. <laughs> Maybe not, but. But it was, and it was sweet. I actually thought I appreciated it. Um, but I did think, oh, is she is she adding that because she feels different or feels weird or feels like she needs to explain or or be like, no, Absolutely. no, you can do whatever you want, you know? Yep. And you don't have to. This is your body. This is your relationship. This is your love, your life. And we're here, number one, to, to tell you um, to A— be confident in your desires mm-hmm. and be accept the love that you're getting right now. You deserve Absolutely. it. And, you know, I think a little bit of what I'm reading here also is that like you're afraid that if he rejects you for this belief that your belief about waiting to, for marriage is somehow less valid. Yes. And, and I want to tell you and I want to affirm your decision that you don't want to have sex until marriage because you get to decide what you do with your body and you get to decide who and with whom and when and where you have sex. Right. And it doesn't matter if people don't like that about you. It's your decision and it's completely valid and you don't need other people to understand or affirm it in order for it to be real for you. So let's answer this question. I love this. Let's answer this question in the lens of how does Anonymous be badass, self-loving, empowered being and not through the lens of, oh, my God, what if this guy fails her? Mm-hmm. Right. Or like what like what do we do if he resents her for that? It's not about that. It's like if he resents you, then you're going to stand firm in your desires yep. over your body yep. because you are the only governing force there. Yep. And so we're going to respond in. Not like, oh, my God, what can you do to appease him? But we're instead going to tell you, like, how can you stand firm in this and what can you expect from him? Yep. Because right now, looking at this letter, 
nothing's wrong, Anonymous. You're you're worrying about something that he hasn't shown you yet. Yep. Um, but the reality is we live in an over-sexualized culture, especially in the patriarchy in which it teaches men. It teaches men that their worth is how much sex they have. Yep. Right? So maybe you are you are responding to the culture around you, which is totally fair. Absolutely. Um, and maybe he does fall to that one day. A couple years down the line, maybe he's, I don't know, starting to be, to the the facade is cracking or whatever. <laughs> yep. And if that comes, if, if, if that comes, because it hasn't yet. Yep. And, and, and if, if you plan for that to happen, it will happen, mm-hmm. right? You, you have to let him be the good that he is. Absolutely. But if that happens, then you fucking write us back. <laughs> <laughs> And you tell us uh, what a jerk he is. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, but I mean, that that might be the reality of what happens. And in that case, I have faith that you will stand up and be like, no, I don't want to have sex. I told you this, and this right. was my if line in the sand. you can't wait and like, like six more months or whatever. <laughs> right. Jesus. Um, but for right now, trust that you're making the right decision for yourself and trust that when he says that he wants to be with you, he is actually saying he wants to be with you. Right. There are, I was just going to say there are so many ways to love someone that aren't physical, but I don't even want to, I don't want to list that on the podcast right now because I'm not going to give you ways to appease him because he, you're not doing anything wrong. Anonymous. Sounds like he doesn't need appeasing. Right. (laughs) Yeah, but instead of giving you alternatives to sex, I want to just say you are fine as you are right now. You are whole, happy, healthy, and you are governing the one thing you have on this planet that you have control over, which is your body, yep, right? Absolutely. Um and we're proud of you. We love you and we support you. Absolutely. I hope this helps. <laughs> <laughs> we went on like a self-love rant. <laughs> That's what this podcast is. It's just stuff like us yelling at people to love themselves more. (laughs) There's an, there's a, there's an amazing poem out there um, by this guy named Bob Hickok called, I think it's called love. Mm -hmm. And it's about these two characters that are real, like called Lev and Svetlana. And they existed several decades ago. And they were this couple that were in love and, um, uh, Lev was uh, kidnapped and held in the gulag. Gu- is that how you say it? Sure, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, under suspicion of being like a government spy. Oh, okay. And Svetlana, um, this real person, I don't know. I'm just speaking from the poem, so I don't know any historical facts. But Svetlana would walk to the gulag every day in hopes of seeing um, Lev and would a couple times broke into the Gugalog, this crazy oh. prison yeah. with dogs and barbed wire and things to see her lover. And then she'd walk home and she'd walk back. And the poem is all about the idea of how different life feels once you know that Lev and Svetlana exist. <laughs> like that that, the, that that those steps to the prison exist and that love like that exists, right? And the poet says when he found this out, he went outside and, and looked at a, a plant and yelled at it to try harder. <laughs> And I I say all of this to say that's what I feel like our podcast is. It's just like screaming love into flowers. Like, grow, you bastards. Grow, you beautiful bastards. Anyway. Accurate. I can tell you were like, I I can tell you were like, uh, and the point of this is. (laughs) 
I got there. How many times are we going to say gulag? <laughs> gulag? Is it gulag? Gulag. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Spencer's giving us a thumbs up, so... <laughs> anyway. We trust him with, like, everything. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we literally... He could just be like... <gasps> yeah, that's right. And we'd be like, okay, Spencer says yeah. it's right. He's yeah. like... <laughs> He's also our Always resident our straight white male. <laughs> True. Whenever we talk about, like, whenever we trash talk um, men... I always, I'll, I'll feel kind of bad because I'm like super generalizing, and then and then Spencer will nod his head and be like, "Nope, nope, don't feel bad. It's true." <laughs> uh, okay, our last letter comes from Hurt and Healing, who's writing from Florida. Sam and Sierra, she, her, twenty nine years old. I've thought of writing to you guys uh, since you started for a whole multitude of reasons, which all kind of tie together. I decided to write after episode 22 where a listener asked about forgiveness and still caring about an ex that deeply hurt her. Mm. I'm a little over a year removed from a similar situation. My husband, the man I had been with for seven years, cheated on me and essentially, essentially burned our marriage to the ground. I'm a therapist, so I sought therapy after this, as well as leaning on my colleagues for guidance and support. Mm. I, of course, also turn to friends and loved ones, and I know that because I have such a great foundation from them that this was easier for me to move through than for others who have experienced something similar. I still, it, it still hurts to know I put so much love into someone only to have it thrown away. Mm. But at this point, I'm a bit more bitter about where he left me financially than anything else. My friends, family, and colleagues have been instrumental in my healing, and I've mostly let go of my anger and hurt. So my first question is, is there too soon to moving on? I did a lot of I did a lot of trying to fill the void initially, dating apps and probably trying too hard when I went out with friends to meet someone. About six months ago, I deleted all my apps and allowed myself the space to be single and on my own. I spent about three months in the single space and was finally genuinely starting to enjoy it and noticed my anxiety decreasing, focusing on myself and my career and my friendships. To lead into my next question, I started seeing a close friend of mine. He's been my friend for a very long time, came to my wedding, helped me move from my ex and to my new place. He was instrumental in my healing and genuinely there for support without any malintent. This is more or less a continuation of my initial question. Should I have spent more time on myself? Should I have spent more time on healing? Can I continue to heal and invest in someone else? Can he actually help me to continue to heal? I'm just going to lay out all my concerns, so I'm sorry this is so long. <laughs> my other concern is that though this man is the kindest, most genuine, and honest man I've ever known, I'm concerned because I'm not sure that there is this spark. I know, he, I know he cares about me and wants to care for me and help me add happiness into my life. We have great sex and are constantly having fun together. Mm. He makes me laugh and can call me out on things I definitely need to be called out on. I'm just confused because I'm not sure if a spark is a real thing. Mm. Were sparks in my past relationships, my insecurities, and my questions coming up? Is it just a myth we've been taught by fairy tales and love stories? Is it because I've known him and been close to him for years? I'm afraid that if this is truly something that is important, that I am leading on someone who is kind and honest and sweet and deserves someone better than me. I don't think I could stand to hurt him if I were to suddenly wake up one day and wonder what happened to my fairy tale. And maybe that is where my problem is. I feel like I'm caught up in the stringing along and manipulation of my ex that I expect this world. Or I, I feel like I was caught up in the stringing along and manipulation of my ex that I expect this whirlwind, this storm, and instead I feel safe and warm. Hmm. Am I missing that fairy tale sweep you off your feet? Or is this what a healthy relationship is? I love this letter. That's 
so many questions. <laughs> yes, but they're all really good questions. No, they are absolutely, right? and and they're all pertinent. I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, hurt and healing. You didn't do anything wrong by asking more than one question, regardless of Sam's sass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. Question number one. Well, we're going to ask you, we're going to answer two of them. Is it too, when's too soon to move on? Yep. And is there such thing as a spark? Right. A and sweep like, you what, off your feet. What is that? Yep. Okay, cool. Hurt and healing. H and H. H and H. Happy hour. <laughs> That's all I think of. <laughs> oh, I wish. Yeah. Okay. So, um, H, H, um, one is... There's such thing as too soon to move on, Sam? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Does that make us bad people? I don't know. Spencer's shaking his head. No. <laughs> no, it isn't. Okay, and he, let me let me do a small caveat. Yeah. Um that th- it is too soon to move on when you don't do the work. Yes. Right? Yeah, for sure. And in context, what I mean by that is a thousand episodes ago, probably more like 29, yeah. <laughs> I first used the phrase head and heart work. Mm-hmm. And that was in reference to I had gone through a break- breakup and I had healed really fast because I had realized for the first time how much love is both a heart feeling and a head feeling. Yeah, for that, sure. That if I used my emotional intelligence, that if I used my heart and, and and followed like my heart to good feelings, but I also applied my emotional intelligence, my understanding of the world, um, reality around me, if I yep. did the head and heart work, I got over that heartbreak so fast. Absolutely. I, I got over the that breakup faster than I have any other relationship and because and I think it's because I used my brain. Yep. <laughs> I, I I didn't let my emotions control me. I, I stopped and thought, were you happy? No. Is this better? Yes. Do you want to be happy? Yes. And I and I led myself to that. Absolutely. Right? Um and so is it too soon to move on when you don't do that work? Maybe you maybe yes. Like maybe you should sit and reflect and do the head and heart work that we're talking about, realize why you behaved this way, why you accepted this behavior, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. But I don't think there's a time, especially for you, HH, like it, you are you're going to therapy, you are in the mental health field, like you're you're obviously doing that head and heart work. So yep. no, I, I don't think so. Absolutely. And I don't want you to listen to this and read yourself in that idea of the person who is getting over it and hasn't done the head and heart work. Yeah, that's not you. Right? That's not you. We're trying, trying to make that clear because I know if I were listening to this, I'd be like, that's well, a, maybe maybe I am that person. That's who a like- gen pop thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You are clearly doing the work. You are clearly utilizing the skills and tools and resources that you have put into your tool belt, right? right? And like, that's why we talk about doing all of these things, like learning the, the, the ways to work through this, because then when your whole world gets t- turned upside down, when your husband of seven years cheats on you and wants to leave you, like you have those tools and in the tool belt, it's not going to prevent you from feeling shitty. Yeah. It's not going to prevent you from going through all of the running the gamut of emotions. Okay, yes. Okay, yes. I I get it. Spencer pointed out to me in a small break that I pronounced gamut gambit. And that's because ready for this fucking are you ready for this fucking 
like moment of vulnerability full circle. Yeah. That's because I was doing the best that I could <laughs> with the knowledge and experience that I have. At that moment, I didn't know that it was pronounced Kim. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's right. Don't apologize for saying the wrong word. You and are doing I your best. And now I can do better, right? <laughs> now you've learned, Literally, and you can do better in the crying. future. That is amazing. That's, there was thirty episodes that led up to that one moment. <laughs> I just didn't know it was pronounced gamut. I was like, but it was—is it spelled with a B? And he's like, no, it's not. <laughs> the B is not silent. Anyway, okay. Uh, okay, sorry, hurt and healing. Just had to to play out that Woo! opportunity while when it presented You're itself a petty to me. Bitch. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, so exactly right. You're gonna run the gamut of emotions, but you have the relationships, you have the skills, you have the tools to be able to work through it much faster than you think that you should have to. Right, and like. I'm going through this, too, with, like, my father's passing. Right. And, like, it's devastating and awful and it turned my world upside down. But, like, I'm also like, okay, so therapy every week, taking time off of work, making sure that I'm, like, talking this through with my friends and family. You like, have the tools. Right. And so, like, it is awful and devastating. But I also, like, know that the that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, you have through a right the head- to move on, too. Right. Yep. And so... Absolutely. So, like, the idea that you can get over something more quickly than you anticipate is absolutely something that is true for people who have done this work. And it sounds like you are that person. Right. I remember asking you when I went through that breakup, like, am I healing too fast? And you were like, no, you're just seeing the truth. <laughs> and I was like, I'm a well. lot sassier to you than I am to our listeners. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, you guys get the nice version of Sam. <laughs> Like the supportive, holistic one. I get the, uh, you take garbage version. <laughs> Which is, he's not wrong. We just need to drink more mimosas before we record, and then they'll get the full brunt of One it. day we will do a drunk episode. Um, okay, anyway, HH, uh, that answers your first question, I think, yep. really well. We answered the full gamut. Gamut? Gamut. Okay. Who the hell? <laughs> Who the hell knew that? Nobody. <laughs> okay. Spencer did. He's raising his hand. All right. <clears throat> but the next question about spark. Is there a spark? I actually love this question. Yeah. That's why I love this letter is that I, I think both of these questions are so good, especially in the context of moving on from someone who you thought you were supposed to be with or like, mm-hmm. or in other, in like different words, what does love look like after, after the spark? Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Or, or after the quote unquote perfect relationship turns to dust, what do, what how do you date after? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that there's a spark? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and let's define spark. Right, because like all of the things that you describe in your letter are things that to me are like, oh, this feels like a spark. Like you have great sex and you have fun together. I know. Like, that sounds sparky to me. That makes me so happy when people have good sex lives. I don't know why. I just think it's, I just am so happy for them. I'm so happy for you, AJ. You yeah, right. It sounds, you, you sound very bitter and resentful no, 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 no. there. Actually, if, like you don't have good sex. I can totally hear that. I can totally hear that. But I'm mostly, the, maybe it's like the ghost of bitterness past yeah. that you hear in me that like I uh, forewent. Is that a, 
I've forewented. <laughs> forewented is for sure it. <laughs> I, I, sex, great sex was not a priority to me in some important relationships of my life. Yep. And so when people have it all, I'm really happy for them. Okay. Having great sex now, period. Just want to say that. <laughs> um, I just generally like like when people have everything that they want. That's all. Yeah. So no that. pettiness in there. Yep. Maybe the ghosts of pettiness passed. Um, anyway. But yes. So those things that you describe feel to me like sparks. So I'm. I think I'm a little. I'm a little confused about like what else you might be looking for, and maybe. Sierra, you might have an idea of that. I feel like you're the romantic and I'm just like, check off all the list of great things. Like, what's the issue here? No, that is really true. (laughs) (laughs) But I think I could, so I think I could be talking to myself, HH, as well as you when I say, my sister told me when I was in high school, I know I've said this before, but my sister told me in high school when I was going through my first breakup, um, once you know, you know. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about in terms of the end. Yep. Right. And I think that's true. That has been true in my experience. Like once I know something's over, then I know it's over. Right. Yep. Um, and if you don't know, if you don't have that feeling, if you're happy, I want you to stay in that happiness. Um, but I do want you to reflect what would it be like to leave him, mm-hmm. to be not loved by him yep. or to go love somebody else or to be single again or whatever. And if that seems more exciting to you than this good, true love that you've got going, then it's not the right love for you. Mm. It can be a good, true love, but it's not for you. I I think that's the only place where I'm different in terms of being a romantic versus whatever the hell I am is that I, I have had the very blessed experience in my life to love someone who was good and true and wonderful to me, Mm -hmm. but they weren't right for me. Yeah. And so I know that sometimes the search for a spark is almost a search for for just something more, something intangible that tells you, yes, this is right. Yeah. Right. And so to step away from my experience, because my experience was different than yours, because you're having great sex, because you're having a lot of fun. um, I would just say, is there such thing as a spark? Um... I'm going to go with Sam here and say, no, I, I think that there are people that we are intrinsically drawn to mm-hmm. that we couldn't avoid even if we tried. Yep. But that a, a well, I don't know, though. <laughs> I was just going to say that like a happy, healthy whole relationship, it, there has to be, do you think that there has to be passion? Because I'm, I'm taking stock right now, like. Uh, of of our our listeners letter and the, her relationship and it says we have great sex we have a lot of fun together and he's really nice and kind i can't picture hurting him right so they're having a good time yep basically taking stock right mm-hmm. but i'm also thinking if she doesn't feel passionately towards this person what does that mean and also taking t- stock of like what trauma or abuse can do to our understanding of passion mm-hmm. because a lot of times we mistake the two. Yeah, for sure. So like to go from like an abusive, toxic relationship to just a good one, it might feel a lot less passionate. Yeah. I think I brains... just said like a thousand different things in a very sprawling <laughs> manner. So 
Take it away, Sam. Yeah, I think that the issue is is that we often look for the the hurt of trauma as the spark. Yes. Right? Like that feeling the of ache. that like, uh right? Right. When that's not what that's not actually that healthy. Right. And it doesn't really actually lead to like sustainable relationships. Right. So th- and I often think that we sell people short who are providing with us with everything that we want and need because they're not also providing us with the pain of feeling too much for someone yes. or feeling the hurt that someone can bring upon us. Yes. Um, and so I think that you just need to ask yourself, is it that you're not really actually that into this guy or is it that you've just become so experienced to the roller coaster of emotion that comes with being in a relationship that's shitty right. that you don't know what a, like a, a solid uphill climb looks like? Right. Because I would say like relationships in like my experience are like 80% is sort of like, okay, this feels this feels pretty good. Yeah. Like 10% of it is that like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm like, I'm so in love with oh. you that I don't even know how to like handle it. And 10% is like. What have I done? Right. <laughs> what have I done? What have I done? Yeah, right. <laughs> and like, if you can get a, like a majority of that in that good space to like really excited space, like, I think you're doing pretty well. I think that's a great, yeah. I think I could like muse on that a little bit more, but I I agree with that. I, I I'll I'll say to the. To the original question, I'll finally say, I do think that there's people that you meet and you're like, I'm meant to be with you, right? But equally, and if not more, I have met my partners and thought, you're cool. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got to know them, like we dated, we we developed a repertoire of experiences together, which which led me to be like, yes, I want to be with you. Yep. It, it's not always the shiny people. Right. And both, I think that both of those are legit. Yeah. Right. So like, I don't, you know, you could find that person you're like, I need to be with them and it yeah. could turn into a really good, healthy relationship. But you can also meet someone and be like, this person's been in my life for a while. Right. I've never really thought about them romantically, but now like the sex is working and we're like having a lot of fun. And that can also be a great, stable, long-term relationship right. that that provides you with what you want and need. And so don't throw it out based on this idea that your relationship should look like I find my North Star and I know to go to them. Right. I totally agree. I hope this helps. H.H. Sorry for giving Sorry, that. Sorry we were so buck wild throughout this whole <laughs> yeah, answer. <literally laughs> not only did we like laugh at ourselves for like 20 minutes, I... T- <laughs> Sometimes, y'all, I'm self-conscious that we have a talk radio podcast because we're not scripted. And sometimes I'm just like, let me explore this fucking random ass idea for 20 minutes. And then Sam just stares at me blankly. Anyway, we hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. Thank you. We love you. All right. That wraps up episode 30. Episode 30. Woo-woo. At the end of every episode, we like to tell you something we're super into that we can send you home with. We call it the blind date segment of our show. This week's blind date is? It's a TV show on Netflix called Back with the X. Ooh, tell me more. It is um, based in Australia, so they all have real fun accents. (laughs) Uh, But it's basically the show where they have four couples who were together for an extended period of time. Like, I think 
three or four years. It's a reality show? Yeah. Okay. And then they've been apart for a significant period of time. Oh, my so God. So, like, one is, like, four years and one has been, like, 26 years. <gasps> and then the premise of the show is that they they bring them back together to see if they should start dating again. Oh, my God. I, I love hate this. It's so good. <laughs> I love this. So they, like, um, yeah, they, like, bring them together and then they spend, a, like— they spend a week or like a couple of days in a hotel, not in the same room, but like just getting to know each other. And then they like live with one for a week and then they live with the other for a week and then they go on vacation. Right. And it's amazing because, first of all, I love watching people awkwardly flirt with each other. Totally. Like just like watching it and getting the you feel set. kindred with them. Yeah. I'm like the satisfaction <laughs> of being like, oh, yes. Like it's not just me. Everyone's really awkward all the time. So cute. <laughs> and then like. There are at least there are two couples where you're like, fuck, no, they should not get back together. But then there are two couples where you're like, your heart hurts because it's just like, Mm. oh, my God, they just like are trying. And there's a lot of like there's a lot of like really interesting stuff about like masculinity and femininity and sort of and like watching men be vulnerable as Mm. well. And then also in the next scene being like total utter assholes. Like it's just like. It was like all of the things that we are thinking about and talking about on this podcast, like crammed into like eight episodes. I love that. So Peter and I watched it literally in one day. <laughs> you deserve it, bitch. Um, but I would check it out. It's called Back with the X. It's available on Netflix. Cool. Awesome. Great. So that wraps up our last last episode. That's not <laughs> it. That wraps up uh, this episode. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes. But most importantly, you can send us your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our Patreon. If you want to support us for $5 a month, you get an extra episode every week. Um, and you can also find our store if you want to. Uh, get a black, black, black hat or Just Break Up's hoodie, you can go to JustBreakUpPod.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review and consider supporting us on Patreon. This literally helps us keep the lights on and helps us meet, meet whoa, reach more brokenhearted <laughs> souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original recording, wait, no, original music <laughs> recording, editing by our friend Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember... You have the ability to create happiness and healing within you. You already have the tools that it takes. You just need to pick them up. You deserve to heal and you deserve to be in an environment and a relationship that is both happy, whole, and healthy. We believe in you. We believe in your heart. And we believe in you getting through this next difficult chapter. And if all else fails. Just break up.